Happy Wednesday Raiders fam, it's Berkey and welcome to my post-match of the game, the round eight game against St George last Friday. Um, look, a win's a win. Um, it was an unexciting game. I thought we just did enough to get over the line. Uh, but look, the next three weeks are really going to tell us a, a critical moment as to where we are in our season, guys. Uh, so look, happy to bank those two points. Let's dive into the top 10. Look, as I said, we were patchy and we were injured. So to get out to 18-0 at halftime, uh, you could always sense that St George, with a bit of luck, were going to try and make a run, and they did late. Uh, but we obviously just did enough to, to get over the line. What obviously stifles any side, not just us, who's a very good side, is, is injuries to key players. So with Sia going off in the first 15 minutes, and Emre, I think, in the first 10 or 15 of the second half, you're down to only two rotations. So a couple of things that obviously affects certain plays that those two players were involved in, um, whether they've got to do a block play or a second man play or a play out the back to George or Jack or they hit Hodjo or Hodjo hit some short or something. Um, it has an impact as to new players coming in as to where they should be. It also fatigues us a lot quicker, particularly with forwards, having two less forwards on the bench. Uh, it, you hear about it a lot with sides, happen to be with us on the weekend. Uh, to having two injuries like that within half an hour, 30 minutes, really had a massive impact impact on our rotation. Uh, so look, that's going to be telling the next few weeks as a lot of far more respected journalists than I have uh, are noting, you know, Corey Horsburgh last week, uh, sorry, week before, uh, Emre and Sia, Bateman still back. So four great forwards, quality NRL forwards now that we're down. So it's going to take a fair bit of get up and go to get back on deck. So the injuries do not help. Talking about Embry, I could really see and appreciate how far this guy's come in the last 12, 18 months self playing consistent NRL. Big body guy, but he gets on his stomach really quickly. So when someone lands on their stomach, particularly with the speed of the ruck now, he's able to get up pretty quickly and play the ball. Um, if he's on his back, he's twisting and turning. That one, two, three seconds of him trying to get up can help a defensive line get set. But with Embry, he nine times out of 10 lands on his chest, which means the mark or the defenders have to roll away as quickly as possible to let him get up and get free. And nine times out of 10, the way that the penalties are going now, the referees are giving a six again call. So once again, losing Emre with the, his ability to make quick play the balls and rucks to give Hodjo space is going to be a telling factor. Same with Sear at number three. I've gone Sear number three here, purely because of the, the, um, the momentum he gives players around him. Um, his actions speak for the way he plays. He's 100 mile an hour. His ruck runs are fantastic. But just to have someone like Sia around the young group of Hudson Young, of uh, Nick, those types of guys, is going to have an effect on us, particularly on a settling influence to make sure that guys keep their heads and make sure they stick to the process. So it's a tragic injury. Number four, I've gone the depth. Um, it's going to be telling. Uh, once um, once Sia and Emre went down, we were left with Havili and Curtis Scott. Curtis is in a forward. His form's been ordinary to say the least. Havili has been a shining light though. So we might get um, obviously a lot more depth this week coming into side with Louis, uh, but our depth is going to be a real um, a cause for concern. Number five, I've gone Hodjo. Once again, he's a bit patchy at the moment as well. His kicks aren't as crisp. You can always tell with Hodjo when he's on, his kicks are usually like a bullet into the corners. A couple of kicks on the weekend, he missed cute. They went straight up in the air. 
gave St. George good field position. But look, he'll work his way out of it. And once again, the likes of Sia and Emre off him either side, that has an impact on those guys that are coming on to the field to get their timing right. So I think Hodjo just from here on, I think he's got to play a little bit more direct out of dummy half. I'd like to see him have a few more runs, to be honest with you, just to keep the defensive line honest and not just pick up and give and go. Um, I think he can easily make a good 10, 15 minutes. He did a few runs on the weekend and really dented the St. George defence back. So I'd like to see him have a go a hell of a lot more just to keep the defensive line in two options if he's going to pass or if he's going to scoot. Number six, I've gone for Michael Oldfield or Oldie. Uh, look, solid replacement, but you can tell on the weekend he's missed he's missed a lot of games with no Mounties and no and no other games to play. He was patchy as the game wore on, particularly in defence. You'll notice that a lot of the St George players were able to get through his his initial body contact, get through the line and offload. So a couple of St George's tries late, they were playing to the right edge a hell of a lot compared to their 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 um so the St George were playing to their left edge, our right edge a lot more than uh, than their right edge, our left edge, because of Oldfield's probably lack of match fitness. You'll notice as I said a lot of times players were able to while he had Oldham they they were still able to get over the advantage line, find a support player left or right. Michael's first impact was not stopping them in their tracks. They were getting through that. He needed help then from other areas and other defenders to try and lock the ball in. So that's a bit of a worry. Sides would have picked that up about Michael, that he just has no match fitness at all. Training and match fitness are poles apart, guys. It's a totally different world you live in between those two. Um, so it's just going to be a matter of him getting more games um, and being able to make that initial contact a lot more. Number seven, I've gone for Shans' ball plane. It's starting to develop. The try set up on the weekend where he dummied, then went in behind the back, I think, of you and Aitken was beautiful to watch. Um, or Zach Lomax, should I say, on the left edge. So really top-notch, and that's what we're going to need from Shans to get on that level of Tedesco and uh, two of us as Sheck. He's got to present himself more in those opportunities. It may not come off all the time, but he, we need to hold the defensive line off us as quickly as possible. If it's a man-on-man, -man, it's fairly simple. With Shans floating around, you then create hesitation in the defensive line, which is what happened on the weekend for that try, um, and that's what we need to see from him. Number eight, I've gone for George um, uh, George Williams. I really enjoyed his try on the weekend, and hopefully that would have had a lot of defensive coaches taking note of that try, that if their markers are a little bit spread or a little bit lazy, then the speed of Williams can take advantage of that. We need him trying that more, guys. It's another bow to our attack around that ruck area, particularly to help Hodjo. So that's a real... That was a real shot across the bow, if you, if you like, from Williams, that he is going to have a go. He's going to have a crack at lazy markers. Um, and if his, his, uh, his speed can keep markers tight in just to make sure, it means they're not spreading in cover defence, which is a good thing. Gives us more flexibility, more freedom out on those edges if the markers aren't coming across. So that was really impressive to see. Number nine, I've gone for Elliot Whitehead. Doesn't get enough praise. He's a Trojan. Um, as I said, he's got to be in the top five back rowers in the world, in my opinion, with his capabilities, his defensive efforts, the way that he hits a hole, um, just his general all-round game, his desperation is fantastic. So glad he's on outside. Um, he's a terrific world-class back rower. Uh, as I said, just the mopping up work that he does around the rucks or his cover defense is first class. You'd have to think that Whitehead 
and Whiten are probably the best defensive edge players in the NRL or close to it. So just those little things just make sides a lot less to go that side and attack, which you saw on the weekend, and come more predominantly to our right edge. And number 10, I've gone for Havili. Once again, the guy's really picked up from last year. He's become an integral partner of our 17 and probably will be for the next six, seven, eight weeks at least. Um, so his impact off the bench now is going to be absolutely critical for us to make a real charge and consolidate the top eight and push for top four. With his runs from dummy half, his ability to play hooker as well, to allow Hodjo maybe to spread wider in that um, in those halves area to help out Jack or to help out George. Robust defender and really adds a lot of starch with his runs and getting that gritty over the yardage advantage line, which is what we need right now with the forwards that we don't have. So Raiders fam, that's it for my top 10 post-match guys. As always, appreciate your support on Facebook, YouTube channel and Twitter. Any queries, questions, let me know. Looking forward to a mammoth mouthwatering game against the Storm Saturday night. I'll have my, uh, my pre-match up Friday or Saturday morning, guys. And as always, this is Berkey. Bleed green.